Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Happy Thanksgiving. Let's go around the table and everyone say one thing that we're thankful for and we're not allowed to be mean. Who wants to go first? You can get the ju- the yeah. creative juices. I, you go first. My only reliable humor on this podcast is being mean to Brad. So you have to understand that I can I can't be relied on to to do this. This was your idea, so you can lead by example. I'm thankful for Evan. It doesn't have to be us. I'm not thankful for anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he said we can't be mean. I'm going with the general apathy type answer. I'm thankful for Alex Nedeljkovic. I'm thankful in Canada we got Thanksgiving out of the way a month and a half ago. Mm, I am thankful for almost being done renovations. Oh, because wow. I am I'm a broken man. And you you can go back to pre-renovation Evan, which was also also being a broken, a broken man. man. Yeah, you can tell he's uh he's almost on the renovation because he's now complaining about his hockey skates. Yeah, he's, yep, he's just ba- back to his extracurriculars. Yeah, yeah, finally. I've uh, I've never really understood the whole Canadian versus American Thanksgiving thing. I really think that we have the best of both worlds. I love football on Thanksgiving Thursday. You're telling me you enjoyed watching that line? No, 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 today? no, 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 no. Okay. okay. <laughs> I am in a good place as a Lions fan because I expect bullshit. I expect nobody's it. in a good place as a Lions fan. <laughs> I expect this every single time. I don't really get why everyone is acting shocked about the season. We all knew what the season would be for the Lions. And let's even jump back to a year where they were competitive or supposed to be. Even then, you really should have known what those seasons were going to be for the Lions. We'll never have anything good. It's never going to get better. doesn't matter what comes up for this team in a positive way. The universe or the team itself will find a way to destroy it. So, yes, the Lions lost today in a game they very well could have won. And that, to me, felt comfortable and familiar and warm. And that's part of my Thanksgiving tradition. And with Canadian Thanksgiving, it's just like we get the dinner twice. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. Plus, yeah, football all day. Amazing. Yeah. Can we wrap this podcast up ASAP today? Absolutely There's not. There's kind of a game I need to watch tonight. The uh, Bears-Lions game already ended, buddy. Anyhow, welcome to the Winged Wheel <laughs> Podcast. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Uh, here to talk Red Wings hockey and the general heroics of Alex Nedeljkovic. I'm Ryan Hanna. Um, increasingly excited to watch an evening football game. I'm Brad Krishko. And I'm Evan. Um, who are they playing? The Saints. How's that going to go? Um, the Saints are missing everybody, so there is no doubt in my mind the Bills will lose tonight. That's what they do. You go, They'll go out against a big, good team and crush them like they did KC earlier, and then they'll go up against the Jags and do what they did that game. It's You can set your watch to it. I You want to set your watch to a football team? <laughs> Fair. Let me tell you about these Detroit Lions. Um, all right, on this episode of the Wind Wheel Podcast, we're going to be chatting about the game that happened last night, which was... At one point, I thought going to be a pretty boring rehash of just what we've seen before 
things heated up. Well, that first period did nothing to dispel that notion. No, right? Like we had the the one little instance in there of, of the Raymond goal. But anyhow, we'll, we'll chat about that game and everything that came from it, um, as well as what the Red Wings have next on deck. Uh, and then we're also going to chat about what's been happening around the world of hockey. On a serious note, the Vancouver Canucks are somehow to the surprise of people imploding like i don't understand the it's the surprise of people within the vancouver connects organization and nobody else well you know the same the same people who are surprised by the canucks imploding are the same kind of people who are surprised that the lions are bad this year like that's the same kind of person yeah um and then we are going to be talking about on a lighter note uh hockey jerseys that have been released because they've been bad (laughs) all of them across the board uh and then we'll get into overtime and whatever else um evan brings up and throws into the middle of these topics um but first i want to talk to everyone about the jamie daniels foundation uh which is an organization we're very very proud to partner with um the more we talk about substance use disorder the faster we can end the stigma and get support to those in need the jamie daniels foundation is a children's foundation initiative and it was established in memory of Jamie Daniels and founded by Jamie's father and Red Wings lead announcer Ken Daniels and Jamie's mother, Lisa Daniels-Goldman. They strive to end the stigma, stigma of substance use disorder and provide support to those struggling with the disease or who are in recovery. To learn more and offer your support, visit jamiedanielsfoundation.org. The roast of uh, Brett Hall was a big success. The uh, silent auction that accompanied, accompanied it was a big success. And Wings Money on the Board, thanks to all of you, continues to be a big success. Um, More to come on that. Okay. The Detroit Red Wings defeated the St. Louis Blues 4-2 on the back of a uh, (laughs) Robbie Fabry with the most hyped up empty netter goal of all time. Did he have some extra motivation in that game or something? Yeah. It was crazy. Someone said a little while back that's going to be Robbie Fabry's first game against St. Louis. I think it was... I, I think it might have been Ken Cal or someone. And I was like, there's no way that trade happened forever ago. And then you realize the way the hockey world has gone since then. You're like, oh, wow, that actually was the last time that they played. So, yeah, Fabry was definitely extra motivated that game. I'm happy he was able to get it. And you know what? It wasn't a gimme empty net goal. He had to sprint down the ice and shoot it at a tight angle. I've seen people miss easier shots. So good for good for Robbie. Yeah. It was, and he had an assist on top of that, I believe. Yeah. Didn't he? Yeah. Good, good game against the former team. Although it wasn't quite the game where you're like super angry with your former team because they kind of did him a favor. But at the same time. Yeah, you still want to do it. Well, the reason he was traded is because he couldn't break into the lineup. Yeah, he wasn't getting enough ice there. So they're like, all right, well, we know you're better than fourth line minutes. So here you're going to play top six in Detroit. Exactly. It was nice of him to move him especially at a loss. And they knew at the time it was at a loss. We all joke, you know, the trade was one for one, De La Rose for Fabry, but St. Louis knew what they were doing. Kara's listening, you're dead right now. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> she sent pictures of us from the uh, meetup and her and I, she had a picture of you two. And it was actually like one of the best pictures of the night, like really great candid shot. You're like smiling, laughing. She looks put together. There's one of her and I, and oh boy, that was much more representative of our States at the time of that photo. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, we were laughing because I think five seconds before that picture um, was taken, she slapped me because I made a Della Rose joke. Yeah. Like I expected it and she had every right. Um, But that was kind of the point. (laughs) (laughs) So um, yeah, the, the Fabry thing was an extra motivation, but just want to start off. The Red Wings weren't 
great that game. No, they were borderline bad outside of a handful of players. We've we saw similar defensive woes, somewhat collapses, confusion, things like that throughout the game. It wasn't universally bad. I think both teams gave up quite a few opportunities, but the Red Wings seemed to let momentous momentum swing against them um more than was comfortable that game it wasn't like a throw up the red flags this ship is burning game but it was like okay they still have some kinks to work through um and i was pretty certain that st louis was going to have their way with them based on how it was going well i think we're at the point in the season now where just about everybody's gotten into their rhythm like the red wings did well with a very we'll call it easy early schedule yeah and the fact that their top line seemed to be more in sync than the rest of the league now all four lines and just about every team in the league are are in sync or in mid-season form. Um, so there's that, you know, everybody starts at, let's say, 75% of the beginning of the season and ramps up to 100%. Well, the Red Wings' first line started at 75% and have ramped up to 100%. And every other line in the league has ramped up to 100%. And the Red Wings' bottom six to nine, well, now we're remembering their 100% is nowhere near the rest of uh league average so when larkin's line's not out this is what we're going to get for a good chunk of the season i'm still pleasantly surprised by how good fabry zadina and Suter have been mm-hmm. but that's to red wing standards not to league standards right because we've for what four years now we can comfortably say the red wing second line has been the worst in the nhl relative to other second lines that's not the case this year but they're still below league average that second line won't win you cups yeah, but anyone who looks at that second line and thinks this is the Red Wings of the past are like, yeah, sorely mistaken. There's an there's a chorus of people who are very angry at various people in that second line. Zadina takes the brunt of it. Fabry has taken some heat as well. And I'm not going to say you know Zadina, Fabry, and Suter have been perfect all year. They haven't, of course. Fab that was Fabry's first goal in however many games. And the only reason he slumped is because I was talking about how he was being underappreciated. So that's on me. Um, Zadina. I like his confidence in his shooting, which is there. We have seen it is shot right now. And well, you saw what Zadina changed yesterday, right? Did he? He actually taped his stick. He taped his stick. Uh, white tape, heel to toe, full over. A white tape too. Oh my God. Philip. I thought we were friends, man. <laughs> and literally identical to my tape job. So he is easily my favorite player on the team right now. Oh, that's why he didn't score that. Give me then. You said he had a great game. He did have a great game. There you go. That's why. He got robbed on a gimme, though. Well, that that's what Philip Zadina does. <laughs> <laughs> and even Pew Suter had a pretty rough start to the season before he really warmed up and, and got into the groove of things. So nobody's been perfect, but that line in general has been playing really strong hockey. You, relative to the rest of the- Relative to what the Red Wings are used to. Exactly, yeah. Because it, it is still, let's be very clear, a below average second line in the NHL. And if you're going to listen to what I just said and say, well, Ryan, they're not scoring goals. The production matters. Here's what I have to say to you. You're right. That still does have to happen. Like that has to come in. And there's a few different things to figure out there. You said something earlier this this year, Brad, which has stuck with me. You said Zadina is the best player on that line. And I went, eh. And you went, sorry, no. Zadina should be the best player on that line. And he should. This is the world's most obvious statement to come. I know I have a couple of these every episode. But with everything else going in this game right now, if they can just un unfurk whatever's going on in Zadina's shooting right now, and he can just shoot like three quarters as good as we know he can, 
he will be the best player on that line. If he shoots at 10% right now, there'd be people talking, okay, who we are we pulling Bird off the first line for him or what? Like anytime Bird goes on a slump, but he's not. He's shooting like half a percent. I'm comforted in that hopefully when Verona gets back, if it hasn't been figured out by then, which I hope it doesn't take that long, maybe that'll be a good kickstart. The, <laughs> the lines got tweeted out by the team before the game yesterday and it was like normal lines and then they were like sorry updated lines Nemesnikov, Larkin, Raymond, Bertuzzi, Suter, Fabry, Gagne, Valeno, Zadina, Smith, Rasmus, and Ernie and I was like oh okay we're, we're shaking it up and I actually didn't hate it I was like I understand the need to shake it up four game losing streak that is the time when a line blender is acceptable yeah anyways the lines started as normal for the game <laughs> so <laughs> Blasho was like oh the blender the blender huh? I'll bl- blend this and I blended it back it was all happening in, in real time unblended yeah he's uh, he's taking it he's taking the piss as my friends <laughs> overseas would say um but let's talk first about uh, the Lucas Raymond goal and actually I think almost more importantly that insane setup yeah I was so happy that happened because every once in a while we'll say something on this podcast. It's rare, but then we'll explain something. And then like a week or two later, what we laid out happens exactly. And we're like, see, see, remember when uh, Bertuzzi was on his heater and I'm like, he's not a lead at anything. But then I, the more I watched him, I realized he was a lead at one thing and it was handling shitty pucks. That was the perfect, inca- like Larkin banked one off the glass to Bertuzzi's back who is skating away from the play the puck ends up in his feet he pulls it from behind him up through his own legs with his foot turns and makes a perfect pass through three guys to Lucas Raymond that that play is what makes Tyler Bertuzzi elite his shot's not that good his skating is below average his hands are are good but not like you know Patrick Kane or whoever not upper tier of the league but there's not many guys in the league who can do what he can do in situations like that Tyler Bertuzzi is the most complete player on this team in terms of effort. That's the it's coach speak. It is like such a worthless statement in terms of like, well, what does that mean? Because any guy can try hard, but no, he doesn't. He's not the world's best skater, and he doesn't have like an elite shot. But based on his production and based on where he is on the ice, Tyler Bertuzzi does everything. One second, he's in the net on his knees playing goalie because Grice is, you know, somewhere else or Nadukovic is somewhere else. Takes a puck to the chin or the chest to stop it. Looks hurt. The next play, he's, you know, skating up the ice, feeds Lucas Raymond for a goal. And then no one in the world, including Lucas Raymond's family, is happier than Tyler Bertuzzi from Raymond scoring that goal. And then Bertuzzi levels someone who has like a foot of height on him. And then Bertuzzi, you know, saves a fan in the stands from choking on their popcorn like the guy legitimately does everything on the ice and there is nobody more pumped up in the arena at any given moment than tyler bertuzzi so insanely fun to watch oh yeah it's 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 his brand (laughs) (laughs) that dude plays 125 percent hockey and if you ask him to tone it down he'll tell you to fuck off yeah apologies to the kids in the cars make your parents donate to a food bank or something i don't know for me swear (laughs) sorry parents as well um anyhow larkin and bertuzzi assisted on that goal um which was again raymond's finish that was that got him to 20 points in 21 games still leads rookies in goals assists and points leads red wings and assists and points and is second in goals i think it is yeah 
Calder leader outright in my mind right now. Oh, without a doubt. Um, now that Siders had a quiet few games and Raymond hasn't really slowed down, it, it's his to lose. <laughs> Sorry, third and goals. I was... I sent out a joke tweet this morning that was only kind of half joking where after the performance Nadelkovich had last night, it's not likely, but it's not crazy to think the Red Wings have all three Calder finalists at the end of the year. Yeah, we're going to talk about Ned. They have the best rookie forward, the best rookie defenseman, and the best rookie goalie right now. If not for Trevor Zegras, we'd have a serious conversation of should Nadelkovich come third. Yeah. And it's a long season, right? Yeah. But getting back to Raymond, yeah, that breakaway goal was kind of a perfect encapsulation of the subtlety in his game that makes him good. We know he has a great shot, Mm -hmm. but we're in the day and age now. Almost everybody can really shoot a puck. I still can't. I'll never figure it out. Even my dumbass can shoot the puck pretty well, but I can't do the little things players do in the release that Lucas Raymond did. Because you watch and you see a guy come in on the breakaway and shoot a five hole and go, oh, nice shot. Good timing. It wasn't just that. He started just ever so slightly of a toe drag to get Huso to lean on his right leg just a little more. So then when he fired it under his left leg, Huso could not get that leg down quick enough because he was leaning on the other leg because Raymond forced just that little move like, hey, I'm going this way. Just kidding. In real time, it looks like nothing to goalies. It's everything. So it's just this... Smart little moves like that. Because, again, not not to dump on the guy. I like the guy, and the the, the hive is going to come after me. But Darren Helm on a breakaway would just come down and shoot it. There was no deception to anything. And First man in the NHL to shoot through a logo. Yeah. He was trying for it. But <laughs> we wonder why he always had such, like, we'd always joke, oh, ho, ho, no finish Darren Helm. Well, he doesn't do stuff like that. And that is the difference between a guy who's playing on a fourth line versus a guy like Lucas Raymond who's a rookie playing on the first line is because those Minor differences that 99.9% of players on the ice and fans in the stands aren't going to pick up on, that 1% of guys picks up on it. Yeah, you your point there of like everyone can shoot a puck, right? Like anyone can be good at scoring a goal in hockey in general. What makes you great at it at the NHL level is deception, like you just said. It's those small things that are almost imperceptible, and that's part of the deception. You need it to look so natural, so innate, so the defenders and the goalies bite. So they see it and bite. So former defenseman Evan Lobsinger is sliding across the ice on his ass because he bit on that move so hard. And that's that's what separates guys who can, you know, in practice, pick a corner a million times. And if they were ever to play with us schlups, Darren Helm would make us look like absolute dummies out there, of course. But that's what sets the NHLers who can score a lot apart from the, everyone else. Um, other things that set guys apart, right place, right time, Dylan Larkin for his 10th of the season. Mm-hmm. which was great to see. Um, great place, right time, Philip Zedin on the same play, but Larkin got the God. goal. Doesn't matter who puts it in as long as someone does. Yeah. he. I, I'm happy they gave him that assist, but it really did, to me, looked like he didn't touch that puck. He had, I don't think he, th- he, he I don't, that play. I don't think he got an assist on it. And if they did, they took it know. away because in the final post game, he didn't have one. Did they take it away? Oh, they did. They switched it back. Fabry and Letty. You're right. Yeah. 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 Look at that. Um, and then Tyler Bertuzzi obviously had that big hit on Nico Mikola, which was a clean hit along the boards. And it very easily could have been a dirty or high hit, but Bert kept it clean, which was great. Um, the one thing that got me, <laughs> I was like, yeah, of course. So Mitchell Stevens is out until after the Olympic break. Troy Stetcher is out until after the Olympic break had wrist surgery. And that explains a lot of why we haven't seen Troy Stetcher. Yeah. Um, Mitchell Stevens, not surgery, but 
again, is going to be out. And that to me was like, oh, okay, Joe Valeno staying. Yeah, Joe Valeno left the game with an upper body injury and did not return. Wah, wah. Yeah. Adam Ernie scored that funny floater that hit the top corner that was like. You don't know. Not a funny floater. I watched that replay five times. He meant to do that. He knew what he was doing there. Because you watch the traffic that was coming from the side of the net. He literally waited until they got there and just threw it in the spot where right in Huso's blind spot. Everybody was going the other way. Yeah. Yeah. The the, the screen was moving the other way. Huso was moving the other way. And it was just a floater into sort of that dead spot. Yeah. It's a smart play. Like, that's a play you actually see the best defensemen in the league make that those power play quarterbacks they're like why do they score on so many nothing point shots because they read those moments i'm stunned adam ernie is one of the guys that can do that big earn baby power play quarterback adam ernie yeah um when they mentioned that snapped what a 13 game goalless drought i had to laugh because that was the moment i'm like yeah that's how irrelevant this bottom six is i didn't even notice he hadn't scored in 13 games well, he's been on rasmussen's line mostly right yeah that's ernie had i think a big relative to him a big i love that that one statement when we all just went oh yeah that makes sense yeah i mean <laughs> ernie had a big flash of offense relative to him right ever since like partway through last season yeah. and we've seen it sustained and there's no easier way to squash that than stick him on rasmussen's line like all the things that we talked about, like the Rasmussen could potentially do this, this, and this in offense, if this is in this change, the generating driving offense was never going to happen. Yeah. You know what Rasmussen can do? Get the puck to his wingers. So <laughs> again, I, I still like what Rasmussen does defensively. Um, and I, we're not having this conversation again, back to bigger, <laughs> bigger. Um, and that was that, that, those were the Red Wings highlights really, before Nedeljkovic went from being the story of the game to holy shit, build this guy a statue story of the game. He's won the net. He's the Detroit Red Wings starter, right? Like it's oh not- yeah, that hasn't been really up for debate for a couple of weeks now. After Grace had a couple of rough back to back games there, first first back to back start with the Detroit Red Wings for Nedeljkovic, and man, that trade is looking so so good. I actually had someone DM me. They're like. What's Detroit going to do with Kosa if Ned is playing this well in however many years? And I said, first of all, three years of a really cheap backup. Lost. Yeah, lots can happen. Second of all, don't expect Kosa to come in and be the starter right away. Third, this is the exact right problem to have. You want to know what a lot of the cup winning teams in the modern NHL have had? 1A, 1B systems throughout the regular season. Tampa's the exception to that. Tampa's the exception because they have maybe who's a guy who's going to be on an all-time goalie list by the time all is said and done in Vasilevsky. Um, but man, Nedeljkovic looks like the truth. Oh, a thousand percent. Like we knew he had it in him. So it's not like it's out of left field. It was just, Hey, he was an elite goalie in Carolina for 24 games. Uh, good luck behind Detroit's defense, but Hey, maybe, well, here it is. He can handle it. incredible multiple incredible pad saves like i'm talking like three or four one came with like 35 seconds left that people didn't realize because they're too busy watching the replays from his other saves and that diving that diving save off the shot from the right circle skindela's shot yeah that was like i understand maybe not technically as hard of a save as his other ones but that will go down in the season's highlight reels and that will be played in his career highlight reel 
And that's what will win him Calder votes if he keeps this pace up. That that safe. Absolutely unreal. Nedeljkovic has been out of control good. Um, and again, we just talked about all these great things that the Red Wings did. Yeah, Lucas Raymond scored. Yeah, Dylan Larkin scored. Yeah, you know, the Zadina line still had a good game. Adam Ernie scored that goal. The Red Wings still got outplayed in my mind. Yeah. In your mind, I think that's an objective fact. They got outshot by what, 15? Something like that. <laughs> like, it wasn't, they got outshot by like 30 something percent. It wasn't that close of a game in terms of who is dictating play. Um, it was Nedeljkovic and the top line being timely. That was the bulk of the game. Everyone before the season said, what's going to make Detroit, what's going to pull Detroit out of that bottom spot in the NHL? What's going to pull them away from 31st, 32nd in the league? And, Three rookies. And we said, <laughs> I mean, we said, okay, Raymond and Sider have made the team and they've been absolutely unreal. And if they stick, what, like, actually, I think we even said before they make the team, if they make the team, that means they're playing unreal, which means the Red Wings are way better. And the Nadelkovich-Grice tandem being great. I think Grice has had good and bad games, but altogether, I, I think he's still been decent overall. But both goalies, and especially Alex Nedeljkovic, have kept them in games they've had no business being in. And that's to to lose Jonathan Bernier, who is the one who primarily did that for Detroit for the past couple of seasons, and then get that in an arguably bigger way in Alex Nedeljkovic. If I'm a Red Wings fan worried about goaltending, I'm feeling good about the future right now. That is out of sight, out of mind for me. Yep. I'm still, you know what I'm still disappointed in, though, with Nadelkovic? He hasn't scored. Hasn't scored yet. He had the empty net last night. He's got no excuses. I know. Come on. We said, I think we said the next time we have him back on the pod, we want to talk about the goal he scored. So, Ned, you're in a race because we're going to start inviting you back <laughs> eventually. So, hopefully there's a goal there. Um, overall, though, big win for Detroit. I think it was important for them to come back out of that um, that four-game slump. And it doesn't matter if it was pretty. They squeezed out the win, and that's what, what winning hockey games is about. I thought um, Osterley had a very nice breakup of a two-on-one last night as well where he dove, uh, laid down yeah, yeah, yeah. to block the pass. I thought that was very well played. I don't think he gets – I you know, I haven't seen his body of work lately, but um, I thought he's he's been playing okay. Well, not many people have seen his body of work lately. Yes. You know, not really slotting the lineup. But being asked to come into the lineup because DeKaiser was out due to COVID protocol, yeah, it's, it's not easy to step in and – playing alongside cider for the most part right so you know stepping in and then playing first line minutes pretty much it's not easy to do so long term joe valeno let's say this injury is not serious which i don't know at this point in time we, we haven't heard too much uh is he here to stay yep um don't know how much credibility there is to it but i did get a tip that he was told to find a place um don't take that as a fact, um, but you know, tweet if, that, tweet that. If it is, if it is true, I mean, it makes sense. And like again, with the like you mentioned, the timing with the Stevens injury does make a lot of sense. Um, someone's got to fill that role, and you don't want to yo-yo Valeno up and down all year like they did with Chalowski because we know how that played out. So he's been good. Um, he's had some great games, and he's had some unnoticeable games, but at least. He hasn't had games where he's been an obvious liability. 
So those are the indications to me that, yeah, he's probably better off learning at the NHL level at this point. Mm -hmm. If his bad games, he's treading water and his good games, he's noticeable. All right, this is where he should be. So hopefully the injury is not serious because, yeah, he could get some serious run. And we've talked about it at length, but with the way Rasmussen's playing and the way he's playing, there's a reality Valeno could be centering the third line before long. I don't bet on it knowing how Blashill seems to love Rasmussen for reasons unknown, but um, it could happen. The uh, those teased third line, those teased lines had a Valeno, Zadina, Bobby, not Bobby Ryan, Sam Gagne line. I like that. I like Sam Gagne on, on on that line as a stabilizing veteran presence, and I like Zadina on that line. They, you know, they've played together. Zadina could use maybe a different situation to to ignite his scoring, and Valeno gets some talent on his wings. So, if we see that at some point, I wouldn't hate it at all. I'm generally against breaking up the top line, though, talking about those tease lines, but I understand the need to do it at some point will will come up. It's just a matter of time. Never break up the top line. I Ever. agree, but under any if you want to think with the second line and the third line to have two more balanced lines, sure. I'm okay with it. Um but yeah, no. If they break up Bertuzzi, Larkin, and Raymond, I'm I'm done. Um Anyways, the Red Wings coming up uh, have a few games, and I just got rid of the schedule. So we'll talk about that at a different time. The Robbie Fabry goal. I love <laughs> how amped up he was. He was like, effing right. Like, just like getting the crowd pumped up. I get it. Like, you just skated all the way down the ice to get that goal, and you scored against your former team. It does have to feel good. I'm happy for Fabry. And you know what? Nothing better than an empty netter to break up a slump. Because if the slump is just do, like because of a mental game or whatever it is, what's better than an empty netter for that? Anyhow, that was Detroit's game against St. Louis. They have one more before next episode, Saturday night against Buffalo, also at home. Uh, and then later on next week, they have Boston in Boston on the 30th. And December 1st, they host the Seattle Kraken for the first time. Historic game. Seattle Kraken, who have sucked. The yeah. cephalopod bowl. Bauer has sucked. Yeah. yeah. The Kraken haven't sucked. The, the Their gameplay, their metrics dictate. They've actually been pretty good. Um, Bad goalie? Oh, my. Couldn't be us. The, the, <laughs> the problem is every single shot against is going in the net. Mm-hmm. Everyone. They, like, Grubauer has like an 851 save percentage. Just really let that sink in. Oh 851. God. Those are Detroit Red Wings numbers. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, more obviously to come on the Detroit Red Wings. Lucas Raymond setting more records. First, second Red Wings. There's all these benchmarks being set, and he's meeting them. Like I think second Red Wings player to score X amount of points through his first X games, and it was only Steve Eisman ahead of him. He's going to keep doing that all year. Um, jumping over to some league news. How many times are the Vancouver Canucks ownership is the Vancouver Canucks ownership group going to look at Jim Benning and say, yes, you keep GMing this team. And then they act shocked when things aren't going their way. This is the dumbest thing I've seen happen in hockey. Not because we've seen owners stick by bad GMs before and for a way longer time. What's going on in Vancouver right now is almost unique because going into the season, everybody went and looked at this team and went, yeah, they're not good. This isn't a, they're in a bad division, so maybe they squeak into the playoffs on the back of Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson. 
Um, but Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes have not had good years. No. So because of that, the rest of the team has to carry the load. And guess what? The rest of the team is atrocious. So Vancouver is one of the worst teams in the league. <clears throat> Training camp matters. <clears throat> Almost everybody with half a brain looked at the moves Vancouver made and went, yeah, this is not good. Yeah, Evan and I have a full brain combined, and we can confirm that we looked at those moves and said, yeah, not good. This is bad. Um, the analytics community was like firmly against everything they did, and even the non-analytics community was like, eh, I don't know about this one. Maybe like for one year it'll be fine. But And then the this season started, and this is what makes it unique and weird, is because after about eight to ten games of them being truly bad, everybody agrees something needs to be changed. The GM, the coach, a trade, something. This isn't working. It's bad. They're healthy. It's not going to get better. But nothing's happened. It's been like three straight weeks of something's going to happen any day now. Everybody in the organization seems to know and accept that something's going to happen. Nobody knows what. And like you look at the players' press conferences and Benning's press conferences, and they have no answers. None. They're like, I don't know. I, I don't know. This isn't what we expected. I don't know. So there's been this air of like this giant guillotine hanging over the team. Guillotine. For <laughs> three weeks. And nothing's happened. Like, I, I can't imagine. Like, let's look at the Canucks more like a business. Like, it's a workplace for all these people. Imagine knowing someone's going for three weeks and you don't know who. It yeah. could be you. Like it is in the Aquilines needed to do something yesterday. Yeah, sell the team. And they're just dragging it on and it's only making things so much worse. It's so weird because they fired Mike Gillis after they lost one playoff series. But Jim Benning is oh, just, man. They're willing to, you know, put him out there all the time. And that press conference the other day was That's bad. Maybe one of the worst ones I've heard. Other than saying like Jim Benning, I saying I hate Christmas. Yeah. Like that. It was worse than he, Pierre Dorian's. Uh, we're a team. Like he said, they don't. He doesn't know why they're bad. That'd be like a mechanic saying like I don't know why your car doesn't work. Like when wh- you- why are we here then? <laughs> like what are we doing? Why, why? Why do you mean you don't know why it works? You're a mechanic. Figure it out. <laughs> like I just do not understand how someone's job is management personnel management doesn't know why they're bad. It's not a learning position either. You're managing a franchise that should be competing for the most prestigious prize in the sport you're working in. You're being paid a lot of money. It's a not like, lot of money. And it's not like he just got there where he's like, well, I don't know why we're bad yet. I need time to like evaluate everything from top to bottom. What has he been there? S- eight years? Six, right eight now. years? 2014 maybe? 2016 maybe? And he's drafted so well. Like... What, what have we been saying this whole rebuild in Detroit? We need the goalie, the number one defenseman, and the number one center. We don't have all of that yet. The Canucks do and have had for a couple of years. So they're like, okay, you have your Pedersen, you have your Hughes, and you have your Demko. Just build around them. The hard part's done. Build around them. Not the hard part. The hardest part is done. The part that you need a, like luck to get. Yeah. Not every GM gets that privilege. It's been seven and a half years since he's been hired, by the yeah. way. Now build around it, and he has just universally made the worst move. Even the good players he's brought in have been in bad trades. Like, JT Miller's been great, but he gave up a lot to get him. Uh, Connor Garland's been great. Uh, he gave up Dylan Genther and 
had to acquire Oliver Ekman Larson's contract to do it. Like it's, it's crazy how bad he has managed, how poorly he has managed this team and is still there. And he, he's not even going to be the first one to go. They're probably going to make a trade. They're probably going to fire the coach. And then, then they will look at him being the problem. Can I, okay. Can I tell you, like, I, I heard this quote the other day from the press conference and I need to just read this out loud Yeah, yeah. because it's maybe the least in touch thing i've i've ever heard someone say on record which is rich because of this podcast um so they're talking about the leadership in the room stuff like that um and asking if he has a sense of responsibility about the team this he said i'm the leader of this group and you know like i said the moves we made this summer i would have never envisioned we got off to the start but we have now but we have now, we have to deal with what we have and we've got to figure it out. It's hard. I'm not going to sit here and say it's not hard. It's really hard. But you know, like with what's going on in BC right now, with all the people out in Abbotsford and the floods that they're dealing with, that's not easy either. Oh. So this is what we call life. <laughs> oh my God. When you really break down that statement, <laughs> Jim Benning's basically referring him to himself as a natural disaster, which feels very apt. Yeah, you think you think <laughs> the you think the floods in Abbotsford, where people are losing their homes and like roads are washing away, and people have lost everything. Well, have you taken a look at our hockey team lately? <laughs> yeah, like they think that sucks. Wow, you should be a GM in the NHL making millions of dollars, not knowing oh. what what's wrong with your oh. team, like. Oh. Definitely some PR person who before that thing said, if it ever gets bad, pivot to sympathy for Abbotsford. And then they watched him do that and they just went, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what we meant. God damn it, Jim. There's just some intern running to unplug whatever TV camera is plugged like, in. Like, doesn't someone prep you for questions? They're like, all right, people are going to ask you this question. These are the three things that you're going to say. This is what another question. These are the other three things. Like, do not go off script. This is what you say. And their PR team. Repeat, repeat after me. We're a team. Yeah. The man, a cup is not coming back to Canada for a long time, is it? Well, not on Vancouver anyway. No. Hey, look at what's going on in Alberta right now. Yeah, no kidding. And I don't care. I want the cup to come to that. De- I want it to come very close to Canada and Detroit, and that's all I care about. But I'm like the Canadian franchise's remarkable ability to constantly just tie a low-hanging string behind or across two trees and then walk across it every year without fail is just incredible. Vancouver, this isn't a shock. Jim Benning has every single thing he touched turn into poop. No, he's done some things well. The, the I'm really j- struggling to think of any. I didn't mind his contracts, actually, for, for Pedersen and Hughes. Those were all right. He's made dragged some, on way too long for one of them. but Yeah, his the deals he's made, some of the contracts he's signed haven't been bad. Some of the trades he's made haven't been terrible. A lot of the signings he's made have been very Ken Holland at the end of his Detroit era-esque, which is like, do not give that guy that much money for that much term. Squandered very important years for both Hughes and Pedersen with those contracts. Um, it's been, he really should have gone a long time ago and it's just such a circus and Aquilini is the latest in a long list of professional sports owners who is far too involved for something that they're not, they don't understand. He's far too involved and yet nothing's happened. That, so what I think is happening on that is they've basically now got a room where everyone just agrees with one another. Yep. Where... Jim Benning is just the yes guy. He just says yes and does exactly what they want. And 
that's how the ownership wants to run this team. Because, like, what, they had Tortorella as their coach, which didn't work, but he's not the type of guy who does what other people tell them mm-hmm. to just because they want to. Like, oh. he would be the first guy to call out issues on the team, and I think at some point he did, and it didn't last, and now they've just got an echo chamber brewing in, in Vancouver, and, like, there is no healthy debate going on, and I literally think everyone in their place right now is just a a, a puppet for the puppet master owners. Yeah, apparently what we're seeing is teams have been calling Jim Benning for trades because something has to happen and the sharks are circling. Steve Eisenman is definitely one of them. And apparently people aren't even getting calls back, which has led people to believe that Jim Benning doesn't even have the authority to make a trade right now. Um, there is divide in terms of management and the players, like factions being formed because people want to align themselves. He wants to survive. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, turns out, uh, Brock Besser, I've heard rumors of Brock Besser being on the trade block, but he does have the immunity idol, so he cannot be traded. Oh, thank God. <laughs> he won the challenge. Yeah. Um, it is just, it is the most hockey drama of hockey, all hockey dramas. And we're going to sit here and criticize it, but I just want to take a second here and say thank you, Vancouver, because this is incredibly entertaining from afar. It's a mess. They need to cut it quick. I think they are. I think they are going to replace Benning. I don't know. We've heard a lot of conflicting noise as to whether it's going to be a player traded, a coach fired, or the GM fired first. I think. I think Benning will go. You know who's been linked to the team? Dale Talon, baby. God damn it! <laughs> and I heard a thing that they said if they fired Travis Green, they're going to bring in Bruce Boudreaux. Like uh, Boudreaux, I, I like actually. Yeah, but it's I'm just okay the, the classic like recycling of NHL coaches, and it's just like. Why don't you just get rid of your assistant coaches? Like your power playing, your, your penalty kills like well sixty four percent before. Oh, oh god, yeah, the penalty kill. Oh my god, I don't know what's wrong with the team though. I don't know what's wrong. What our, could be our, wrong? Sorry, so, we have a sixty four percent power play or, or penalty kill. Our oh, I wish our power. Oh, play was, oh boy, our penalty kill is or our penalty kill is thirteen <laughs> percent. <laughs> but um, if if you want a good indication of what's going on and why my gut tells me the first thing that happened will be the coaches, apparently it was, uh, I think Thomas Jarens was reporting today. In practice, they were just running some, a very basic two on O drill that just got completely buggered up and nobody knew what they were doing. And JT Miller just snapped and could be heard yelling, we have no idea what we're doing. Well, if you like, watch, that's not a good sign. Well, if you watch Vancouver highlights or like condensed games, you can clearly tell the people who are checked in and checked out. Like, yeah, JT Miller, Pod Colson. That's all I got. The Gar- Demko, Demko, that, that Gar- poor bastard, and Garland maybe, but like everybody else needs to to take a real look in the mirror. Like, like where's Elias Pettersson? Uh, He's got what? eight points or 10 points or something in 17 games like a lot of money gotta look it's gotta take a look at yourself a Boy, little bit man, there every team that didn't throw that offer sheet's probably feeling pretty good right now i will be happy to pay Elias Pettersson what he's getting paid right now yeah that wouldn't have got it done in an offer sheet i will on a small side i would like to thank connor garland for what might have been the most entertaining video that popped up on twitter this week <laughs> have you seen all the edits of people shrinking him down <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> he looked like brad crisco up there <laughs> Like it look like what he was doing. It's actually smart. Sound, yeah, yeah. Like you get a low center of gravity choke down on the stick. So if someone rifles a pass at you, you have more leverage to just tip it in the open net. It was a very very smart play, but it oh my god, was yeah. it funny? Like I'm I am surprised more guys don't do that because hey, not gonna how many, 
yeah, how many times have we seen guys in that exact position get an absolute nuke and just chunk it and it goes wide? Garland's not going to chunk anything holding it like that, but the memes, oh, money. Speaking of hard passes, you ever notice that Robbie Fabry just absolutely fires passes sometimes? Just like an absolute. That's the honey badger mentality. Oh, yeah. Just everything's at 100 miles an hour, (laughs) skating, passing, shooting, everything. Oh, man. It's funny when guys do it, but like you do have to control that. Because I, even in my shitty league this year, I had a clear breakaway, but the defenseman sent me a nuke and it just hit my stick and went. And he got to the bench. He's like, sorry, I saw you're alone, got a little excited. (laughs) I'm like, it's okay. It's it's fine. (laughs) Um, Anyways, yeah, we just described every from. The players to the coaching to the management, everything in Vancouver is rotten right now. This is now a Canucks podcast. Yes, yeah. it is. And when Dale Talon gets there, I'm sure it will only get worse. My last point, I don't think old or you know familiar is bad here. They need a stabilizing force, but they need something like what you touched on earlier, Evan. Can't have yes men. They need, I think, the president of Hockey Ops and then a GM, both of them who do not give a shit what Aquilini says are the people who need to come in. I don't know who that is. Uh, the Aquilinis won't hire them. So Lou Lamorello, what's he doing? Yeah, a little bit. Because he's a stabilizing force, right? You need someone, maybe not like him, but something around that where the... But the owners are too involved. They would never want someone like that. The thing is, it's not like Columbus where you can bring Davidson back and have a stabilizing force. Well, I mean, they weren't in disarray. But anyways, you don't have the, you don't have the luxury of time. Vancouver needs to do this now. Otherwise, they are going to give up two superstar level players and a star goalie and their opportunity to make a, a run for the cup. Oh, they're not making a run for the cup anytime. Soon. They don't even talk about, they talk about getting into the playoffs. Like if that's your motivation as a team at that point and where their players are, that's not good. All right. Very quickly here. Let's talk jerseys, <laughs> Jersey jerseys. New Jersey's third jersey. New Jersey's new third jerseys. New Jersey's new jersey third jersey jersey. So what I know is Martin Brodeur is not into fashion. <laughs> I have learned that. So we'll talk about New Jersey's first because I'm I'm gonna rip on the jerseys for how I know this is a subjective topic, but how objectively terrible those jerseys are. The Brodeur picture where they announced it, where it's him with a black background standing like a superhero looking up into the distance like what kind of pretentious douchebaggery was that like oh look at this guy who doesn't know anything about fashion or design designed this awful jersey and we're gonna give him this like i don't even know what to refer to it as this photo op of ridiculousness to release it and then you look at it and you go that's somehow worse than the jersey I think that was probably just whoever was hired to do that photo shoot probably had him pose like that. But the fact that that pose came out was very funny. Exactly. There was a thousand pictures taken in that photo shoot and someone decided to sit there and go that one. It was Martin Broder. (laughs) I would not rule that out. The, the New Jersey devils have a very underappreciated Jersey history in my mind. And there's so many different ways they could have gone. I think that's a team who has a big license for black in their jerseys. They have the red, they have the green, so much they could have done. And the word Jersey written across the front. I get it. Like people refer to New Jersey's Jersey. I even like the red outline. It's not too bad. 
Jersey Blackhawks. It's the Chicago Blackhawks outdoor throwback. It's 13 trillion stripes to represent all the quote, t- quote tweets the jersey got when it was posted. <laughs> you remember those old Senators third jerseys that just said Sens? Brad, I see those in my nightmares. Those jerseys and the Chicago Blackhawks stripe apocalypse from their outdoor game. It's like those two jerseys had a baby and produced this. It was bad. Um, I appreciate them coming out with that because it makes the Red Wings reverse retros from last season a little bit more stomachable. Yes. I still I still think that they're um well, actually what were worse? The reverse retros or these? These by a mile. At least we had a logo. Yeah, that's true. New Jersey really squandered the opp- opportunity to put like gloves and pants <laughs> and helmet on their attire. If they did that, I would actually legitimately love these jerseys. <laughs> Like hey, the full there's uniform. still time, New Jersey. There's still time <laughs> just, to salvage this. Just on the pant shells, it just says pants. Like that alone, <laughs> I'm in. The uh, <laughs> the uh. what's it called? The poor social account then had to like lean into the joke because they were obviously getting destroyed all day. So they actually released like hat, just a picture. They should actually sell it. I think they would. And they should get applauded for that because that was actually the best possible way they could have handled it. Yeah. Leaning into the weird has worked out well in Philadelphia. So they should be leaning into weird now. New Jersey, to be fair, New Jersey's got one of the stronger social accounts. They do lean into stuff like this pretty often. So yeah, it was probably good that it was them. Um, other jerseys that were released: Team Canada released uh, their Olympic hockey jerseys, and uh, it was a new leaf design, which they often do. I think there's something that they have to do that for the Olympics. Because there's, there's, you can't use a team. You can't use the Hockey Canada. Yeah, logo. I, I can't remember why, but I, I do remember that's a thing. Yeah, they, the O2 Olympics were the last time they were able to do that. Yeah, um, because we wouldn't want co- corporations and sports putting money, funneling money into the Olympics. Is that right? actually why? Because Team they, Hockey Canada is like a, a licensed brand, corporation. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Um, they weren't my favorite. I don't mind that leaf. It's not my favorite. I think they've had a lot of good ones. I think the white one is pretty nice, actually. I don't mind that at all. It's all right. I think the black one is cool, um, as especially if, if as a third. I think the red one is pretty atrocious. It's missing white. Yeah, you. You're Team Canada. You're meant to have white, especially if your primary. If your primary is the red, you need to have the white. Your homes need to have. Red and white, your aways need to have red and white. If you want only black and red for your thirds, great. Amazing. You got to have red and white. The red one is big, like, highlighter third jersey. Um, The Edmonton jerseys that I criticized but came around on a while back, but those were third jerseys. Like, that kind of feel. They need white in there. It's not good. Nope. At first, I thought – I know it's not petals on a maple leaf, but, like, you know the – like the pieces, I thought, oh, there's probably 10 or whatever for the 10 provinces. And then maybe there's two or something, two stripes for the, oh, how many territories are there? There are three? Three. Three. Oh, well, that definitely doesn't add up. Um, but there's nine, I'll say, petals. So that, I, I, I think that's an actual leaf, though. Like that's how many points it has, 11 total, including the two at the bottom. Oh. Yeah. Well, I solved my own mystery. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Evan Goes to School. <laughs> the next week, we're going to be testing him on his geography skills, uh, which apparently are lacking. Altogether, though, I was like, ah, you've had so many years, Canada, to come up with this. Like, you've had recycled re- designs recently. You had something different. And I was like, could have been better. It wasn't the worst. I really just don't like that red jersey with the black leaf, though. It's meh. And then 
Team USA came out with theirs, and I went, oh, wow, the Canada's is actually not bad compared to this. Why? Um, those are phenomenal soccer jerseys for the next Summer Olympics. Again, the history of the American Olympic hockey jersey is so strong, and they have so much to pull from, and so many like tried and true designs that are just classics. And it's been a long time since we've seen NHLers in the Olympics, so they could have gone and done the same thing as they've done before, and everybody would have applauded it and bought a ton of jerseys. But instead, you get the plain bar across that just says Team U or just says USA, like 10 different blues of different dark shades. It's, it was weird. The Finland third jersey. Yeah. It, it pisses me off more because the US has the benefit of the best tricolor uniform scheme for sports red, white, and blue. Yeah. Always a classic for uniforms, no matter the sport, whatever. And, you have so many gimmies with that. So many. And they just buggered it up. It's it's depressing. They could have gone with the USA uh, diagonal. They could have gone with the crest. They could have gone with the um, the USA kind of like curved across the chest. Uh, they could have just ripped off the New York Rangers jerseys and nobody would have complained. They The stars on the shoulder. I actually had a soft spot for the USA jerseys that had... Um, the S turn into the American flag. Like oh, I, thought, I actually really oh, like yeah, those. Yeah. yeah. I, they could have done so much with that. And it's just so uninspiring. Like team Canada's are, are the red ones are rough. Don't get me wrong, but at least they tried something different. USA's looked like they were designed by someone at Adidas. Who's never watched a game of hockey in their life. The interns. Yeah. Uh, the biggest, the biggest footy fan that they had there. What uh, accent was that? Don't know. We'll say <laughs> somewhere in Western Europe and oh, leave it at that. Okay. Yeah. Good. <laughs> And it's just, it's I don't know, man. It's shitty. Like I I don't want to watch. It's it. very meh. Yeah. Does it matter? No. I, I there's people who hate the jersey conversation. They won't yeah. be on the podium anyway, so who cares? I well, if they get Jack Eichel already in time, and if I that's a serious conversation there. I I feel like we could talk about that forever because I don't think Vegas would let him go. Oh man, that's a good topic. We'll save that one, Evan. You're gonna be uh, you're gonna be driving the bus on that topic. Okay. Finland's jerseys are good. I love their logo. Yep. Finland is just took parts of what USA did, but actually put a good logo over it. Yep. Yeah, that's what that's the USA thirds. They saw Finland and went, oh, let's try and rip that off. Yeah. And then they failed miserably. Yeah. All right, folks. Um, we're going to jump into overtime. Uh, overtime in the Winged Wheel podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporters who are substantially cooler than everyone else, including us. Patreon.com slash Winged Wheel podcast. If you want to help support the show, uh, genuinely, we can't thank you all enough for your support. It it means the world to us. Um, we have changed overtime a bit. We take fewer questions for the main episode. We grab some topics and some questions that we feel like make for good discussion. And then we uh, still answer the rest and we record them and we release it as a Patreon exclusive bonus. So AJ Voss says, what's been going on with Alexi Lafreniere? I haven't watched a lot of Rangers games, so I haven't watched him play much, but I know his counting stats and ice time this year and last year are well below what was expected. It's early and he could pop off whenever, but has he just not looked NHL ready? Has he been misutilized by New York or is it something else? Some guys just take longer to transition. Let's not forget how mediocre Nathan McKinnon was for the first few years mm -hmm. of his career. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, there's nothing I can pinpoint to while watching Lafreniere and go, this is what's wrong. So yeah, I'm just going to chalk it up to a slower transition than normal. <sighs> 
I think one thing people did get wrong, us included, was how much of an impact he'd have early. I didn't think he would be the most NHL ready right away, but I thought if anyone was going to have the skill to break through all that, it would be him. So that was pretty surprising. I don't watch the Rangers close enough to know. And I think we have to have Ryan Mead back on the show to talk about this. But, you know, Kako's just heating up now. He's on a little bit of a tear. They have to make it priority one to make sure Lafreniere and Kako start to blow up immediately. That you cannot waste a first and a second overall pick in drafts that were meant to be incredible like that. They had an amazing luck to be able to hypothetically get out of this rebuild. They've made some decisive moves with their team and with their coaching. Buchnevich just scored against Red Wings for St. Louis, one of the only two players to do that yesterday. Um, and I know at time they, times they were want for scoring this year. Anyways, they they can't afford to let those guys fizzle out. And actually, you know what? They owe it to the sport of hockey. If you're going to jump that many picks and win the draft lottery twice, don't ruin the guys you take. Not that the onus isn't on the players, but it's on the team. Uh, Miss Days says, if Leno misses time, that's two centers down from our shallow puddle of center depth. Does this mean Pearson finally gets his shot, or is it more likely we shift someone to fill the 4C and bring Bergeron up to the third line with power play time? He's been on a tear in the AHL. I would like to see that from a fun perspective, but the Pearson option is way more likely if uh, Leno is out for a while. We have to be due for the Bergeron view soon though right like he is going to get games this or year. he's going to get games but we're only 20 games in i i think bergen's the type of guy given the uphill battle that he has is probably going to get some more let's call them games with less pressure <laughs> i'm trying to say it as politely as i can yeah <laughs> i would like to see it sooner just because i think it'd be fun and any time that you could stick him on the power play. Oh, like I said, from a fun factor, this is what I want. Yeah. What, not what I think is going to happen, though. Right. And it is also impressive to see him doing what he's doing in the AHL when this year he might have been expecting to play on opposite Lucas Raymond. And obviously he didn't get the opportunity to do that. So um, feeding into a similar question, Colorado 14ers asks, is it likely that Soderblom, Johansson, Edmondson, and Berggren all make the roster next year? Um, Edmondson and Berggren, I'll give stronger than 50% right now. Soderblom, more likely than Johansson, but I'll say still less than 50%. I think those guys are both going to get probably at least one full year run in Grand Rapids. I would flip Soderblom and Johansson. Like, I think maybe Johansson would be a little bit more likely. It really depends on how the rest of the season goes and how he does in camp. Like, he's far from a gimme. At this point last year, we knew Sider was making the team. Yeah. That's not the case with Johansson, but he still could. The Red Wings decors, there's a lot to be excited about, and there's a lot to think, oh, yeah, we need to chip away at that. They have a lot of UFAs coming up. Nicoletti might be dealt at the deadline, so... I would say Johansson has a little bit of a better shot. I'll guess both he and Soderblom start in the A, though. Um, man, watching Edvinson, the way he activates in the offensive zone, Sider does it too. And that, to me, was very surprising with how quickly and how smoothly he does it. But Edvinson truly does it. Edvinson's more aggressive about it. Sider activates to keep the play alive and get the puck to 
someone he feels is better suited to yeah. run around the offensive zone. Edvinson is like, Edvinson's nah, a threat. Nah, I got this. Yeah. We'll get it to the net. <laughs> he's a threat. Like he's a legitimate offensive threat. And again, this isn't an Edvinson versus Sider or Edvinson is better than Sider at this or anything like that. Like legitimately, they're just different players. The way he moves into the zone, he is a true offensive threat. You can see the space and respect he gets from the, the defenders. They know what he can do. And he's not afraid to like, he'll be below the opponent, opposing team's red line, <laughs> like dealing the puck. If Sider did that, I would like, I would love it, but you know, not every defenseman is going to do that. And Sider is way too defensively minded to do that often. Edmondson's a little bit more wild that way, but Hey, it's a modern NHL. Everyone needs to produce on offense to some capacity. Can you imagine Sider knowing you have Sider backing you up? And so you activate off the blue line and you are doing that in the offensive zone on the power play. Man, Sider and Edmonton on the same pairing. Nobody get past him. That's like 14 feet of defenseman. You just lay across the ice. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's been really, really fun to watch. It's nice to see him come back um, from injury. Soderblom had those ridiculous, that ridiculous goal and that like awesome showing the other night. It's not the Raymond insider that we saw last year, but the Swedes are still tearing it up for the Red Wings. There's a lot to look forward to. Uh, but da, 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 da. even Wallander's turning it on. Yeah, there's man. It's easy being a Red Wings fan right now. There's no pressure. The kids are good that are here. The kids are good that are in the A. The kids are good that are overseas, and they still have a hell of a lot of picks coming up. They lost four straight games, and I didn't want to die. <laughs> yeah, I actually didn't even have the urge, <laughs> which is great surprising we did just replace those windows over the summer so i'd be sad if we had to pay to replace them because i don't think you're i don't think hey i know how much windows cost i'm not going through them i'm opening them first oh that's (laughs) very kind of you (laughs) i'm thankful for evan knowing how much renovations cost did you get your windows replaced they're on their way whenever they come they come you use the company we used or no no Sorry, he hates gift cards. Knew a guy. Knew a guy. Oh, yeah. He always seemed to know a guy, but things always seem to go wrong. Who's your guy guy? He's failing you. I don't have a guy guy. Yeah, well, that does it. Brad's your skate guy. That's the only guy you know that's actually good for something. Yes, this is Brad's chance to uh, really eliminate me from the Survivor podcast. (laughs) He's getting a 7-8, and he's just going to eat it into the first... (laughs) <laughs> in his first turn evan and i uh just ridicule brad all episode or just ruthless he makes the smallest slip up and we're just like literally beating the shit out of him on the show and then the moment we hit stop recording we stop recording we're like brad can we get some equipment please brad please some discounts please, i broke my hockey <laughs> stick <laughs> brad please do you have a helmet for four dollars that's top of the line <laughs> brad shows up with all of it and we're like <coughs> Thanks, idiot. You stupid piece of shit. You're short. <laughs> no, the thing is, everything I get for you, I just like saw through it a little bit or just, yeah, the revenge will come in time. <laughs> my uh, my doctor, how did you tear both ACLs within a two-week span? I skating down the ice and the steel on both my skates somehow disintegrated. How does that even happen? Why was Mika at my pickup hockey? <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Wind Wheel Podcast and then get to recording some Patreon-exclusive comments. Uh, I'd like to thank all of you for listening. Patrons, I know the threads have been a little wonky lately, um, but we're going to get those up a little earlier in the day so you can get your comments in. Uh, I'd like to th- thank the uh, Patreon supporters, all listeners, everyone who's been giving us ratings um, on iTunes and on Spotify. It 
those five star ratings mean so much for getting the show um, out there and and helping to grow the the podcast. So seriously, thank you for that. Um, our name level sponsors on Patreon: Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Kyle Karagets, Nick Perks, Taylor Tagel, uh, Matthew M Rice, Arjun Shanker, Brandon M, Carl Brutan, and Nana Lusky, Chimmy. Citizen High Five, CJ Sully, Clayton Van Dyken, Craig Kibble, Creepin' on That Booty, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood, Fight Probert, Greech, Hana Lee, Hassam Al Qasem, Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Kyle Hashman, Matt McKay, RA, Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Shea Lobsinger's number one Stan, Stacy Lynn, Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam, I wish I could finish like Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Babe Landiscog, Ben Barron, Brad DeFour9, Colorado 14ers, Connor Leightonen, Dave W., Eric Sinkowski, Evans Bingo Card, James Laporte, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Logan Stahl, Matt Keeler, Matt S., Max $1 million, Michael Alsante, Revy DeLuca, Shit and Bricklets, Terry Actual, Trevor Pevavar, Zach Handyside, and Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Take care, folks. We'll talk to you Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.